0: This is Looking Back, Moving Forward, a podcast of the undergraduate class of MIT 1994. The goal is to get an audio recording of our entire class, a chance to hear from old friends, and an opportunity to meet the classmates you didn't know you needed to know. Hello, everybody. This is Kimberly Cornwell. It is January 22nd, 2021. Uh, Welcome to the class of 1994 podcast. We're doing episode four today. And on the line, I have Michael Chung. Mike, you want to say hi?
1: Sure. Hi, Kim. Hello, class of 94. Great to be here and look forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to start out with our typical questions, but um, what did you think you were going to study at MIT when you started out?
1: Sure. So I started with chemical engineering. I had Interests in pollution control, environmental engineering, and I chose chemical engineering because it's pretty broad and you can just branch off into a number of topics, whether the environment and um, as well as medicine, which was something of an interest for me as well. So course 10 it was.
0: And did you stay with 10 or did you go somewhere else? <laughs>
1: I did. I majored in chemical engineering and was able to to, to keep at it and uh and uh finish up in four years so yeah
0: nice okay excellent um and did you get a concentration? Well, you had to have gotten a concentration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: I started off with German. I had taken German in high school, and I thought, why don't I continue it? I think after around German three, I was like, boy, this is pretty hard, and these music courses are starting to look more interesting. So I ended up changing over to, to music, and I'm really glad that I did. I took a couple of courses in harmony and counterpoint, a terrific course in uh, music history. I think I took a jazz course at Northeastern over to summer that I was able to get counted. So yeah, I ended up doing uh, music as my concentration.
0: Very nice. Do you play an in instruments?
1: I in do. Instrument? I grew up playing the violin and piano um, like a lot of uh, <laughs> Asian yeah, like kids, I students. suppose. <laughs> I grew up playing violin and piano, uh, mostly pretty much all classical. and. Um, Yeah, it was pretty much all playing-based. I wasn't really uh, learning much theory or history, so it was nice to be able to take courses in those when I got to MIT. I didn't really do much with um, either instrument because, as I'm sure a lot of people have experienced, you get to college uh, and the doors just open in terms of different types of activities. So I joined the orchestra for a concert my senior year, which was terrific. Um, But yeah, just so many opportunities out there at the Institute.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, I I look back and I'm like, why didn't I take advantage, but I could barely handle what I was doing, so. Well, it's hard I, enough to
1: just get through the course load, I think, and then to, to add, um, stay with current activities, add new ones, it, it's a big balancing act, so. Yeah, yeah no,
0: I, I was really happy for the past no-fail freshman year, because, <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I was in every activity you could be, and then I had to pare back.
1: Right on, right <laughs> kind on. Kind
0: of taper, but um, did you have a favorite class or professional? professor while you were studying? Yeah,
1: you know, I saw that prompt and I jotted down a couple of things and I think the technical class, I felt like Integrated Chemical Engineering, then known as ICE, was really cool. I mean, because it, of course, took all the concepts you learned throughout the years and put them together. But more than that, it was a a really nice way to explore a lot of different topics and work in different environments. I had a couple of lab mates, I think Christopher Chong, Lauren Tice. So we worked on a bunch of projects together. And that was uh, really um, a good learning experience um, from a teamwork aspect, the presentation aspect, and then I think from a non-technical standpoint I mentioned Western music after 1750. That was with Lowell Lindgren who I still keep in touch with actually and that was a really fascinating course because I learned about music as an art and how the forms change with time because the styles of music writing, the chord progressions, the different instrumentation, those are all advancing and the survey course in that uh, for, for Western his, uh I'm sorry, Western music after 1750 it was really Really great way to learn about the progression of musical styles throughout that period. So, yeah, those are two of my two of my big ones.
0: Oh, well, that sounds fascinating. I think I would have liked that music course. So.
1: Yeah, it was really neat because you'd have reading assignments. You'd go to the music library and you'd listen to a bunch of different pieces. You'd write essays throughout the course, and the exams were such that Professor Lindgren would say, "I'm going to play a." 30 seconds of one of the pieces. You have to identify the composer, the name of the piece, the approximate year it was written in, and three to five interesting points about it that distinguish it. And for whatever reason, I really gravitated to that. That um, to doing well on those types of questions because uh, I mentioned having played violin for uh, most of my life. So whether violin solo music, orchestral music, it just, it really clicked for me very well. So I was like, glad that I could, that I could take the course.
0: Is Professor Lindgren still teaching on campus? Or he's, he's retired. retired.
1: Um, okay. Yeah, he's retired for, he's been retired for a few years, but uh, yeah, really just a terrific, terrific gentleman.
0: Uh, where did you live while you were on campus?
1: So I was at East Campus. I was on 5 West. So if you're familiar with East Campus, there are two buildings, East and West, and each one had five floors. And it was the type of dormitory where you were assigned or you chose one of the floors and you basically stuck. You 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 were you lived there all four years. Um, I know that other dorms at the time. I think Baker, you would move around from hallway to hallway. But yeah, East Campus uh, 5 West was home for those four years.
0: Nice. (laughs) And where do you call home now?
1: So now I am in Arlington, Virginia. I've kind of made this progression down the East Coast. So I grew up in Ohio, was at MIT, stayed in Boston for four more years doing biology research, going to the Harvard School of Public Health for a master's. Then I was in the New York metro area from 98 to 2015, so about 16, 17 years there, and then in 2015 we moved down to Arlington. So we'll see, like if I continue the southward trajectory, you know, time will tell. So, yeah.
0: Retire in Florida, like most East Coast people. Possibly,
1: so. my parents ended up there in the okay. late 90s, so I really don't get back to Ohio, and uh, so my mom lives in Florida still. Uh, my dad passed away about um, eight and a half years ago, but we get down to Florida every year, so. Who knows? I know at least one area that that's kind of nice to live.
0: So you, you wrote for the tech while <coughs> you were on campus.
1: I did. So um, I think maybe the start of that was a rather sad episode. You might remember Ongvi V. Raustein. He was um, unfortunately murdered on campus just in a kind of a chance encounter, but I, I wrote a letter to the editor or a column or something to that effect, and that really started me um, writing for the tech. I started writing a lot of opinion articles. People who are listening to this may remember some of the articles that I wrote and I kind of laugh as I say that because I did write some controversial ones I viewed it as a as a really interesting way to to learn a lot about my own views about various topics at hand whether scientific um, legal like the death penalty um, racial relations and I used it as an as a way to fill the opinion page with um, columns as well as to just kind of learn my own views, where I stood, and to, to, to see where the community would provide feedback, and that could help shape my views. So I started at the Tech, I want to say my junior year of college, and, um, and yeah, it was really a pretty defining experience, I think, that I'll talk about as we talk more, Kim, um, because um, writing has been such an important part of my professional life as well.
0: Yeah, what are you doing these days? Yeah,
1: so I am in the automotive industry now, specifically the automotive aftermarket. So the aftermarket is after you purchase a vehicle, Think about the accessories, the repair, the service. So that's the automotive aftermarket. And I am at the Auto Care Association. It's a nonprofit organization in Bethesda, Maryland, so right outside of DC. That's a member-based organization. So think, say, the retail chains like AutoZone, O'Reilly's, Advanced Auto Parts, parts manufacturers for automobiles, um, wholesalers, distributors, service shops and business services. So we have members across the supply chain, and our organization advocates for the industry. So um, essentially lobbying, influencing policy development, and what I do is, I head up market intelligence. So I'm basically the market research guy, and I write a, ver- a variety of um, columns on trends in the industry, what it means to our members, how they might be able to use that type of intelligence to navigate a continually changing environment. So I've been here about 10 months now. I started. I think March 23rd, so a couple of days or weeks right after everybody started working from home. So that's another experience and a story in and of itself. But yeah, I've been. Uh, that's what I'm doing now.
0: Well, it's fascinating to go from chemical engineering, public health, to aftermarket. Hi.
1: yeah and some of the journey there I'll, I'll just touch on here because um, I was thinking about this and I've talked about this with many people over the years is kind of that path after after MIT from a career perspective and mine has certainly been somewhat non-linear I suppose um, I started in biology research I was I got reinterested in medicine again um, God had other plans for me um, that is other than medical school <laughs> so I ended up going to public health school was kind of charged up again for the environmental um, engineering field. And I worked in environmental consulting that was starting in 98 in the New York metro area. And I did engineering science related projects um, for an environmental consulting firm. And while I was there, I started doing my MBA part time because I was interested in more of the uh, strategic consulting, uh, management consulting oriented types of projects and so i transferred over to our corporate marketing group at the engineering company and that's where i started uh managing client satisfaction programs market research so i was really supporting that strategic development that strategic business development and in 2015 when we moved down to virginia that what prompted that was i i moved to market research i worked for a market research consultancy i was doing client service Uh, management, worked with a number of clients across a variety of industries, um, doing market research um, for them. And one of my clients at the time was Auto Care Association, which is where I am now. So it's been a really interesting path. And um, yeah, so problem solving along the way and uh, research and a lot of writing.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, no, I think a lot of us have taken probably different than what we expected coming out of MIT paths and careers and and yeah just life has been interesting but yeah
1: no doubt because um i mentioned being interested possibly in medicine when i was younger my my father was a doctor and so that's kind of what i knew right i wasn't uh familiar with like management consulting investment banking but of course going to MIT you just it's just a perspective changing and it just opens up so many doors to different opportunities so i like to tell people that um back then i i just remember going through those um the office of career services you remember when they would have those printouts of all the companies coming to town right <laughs> yes. and you'd flip through it and it'd be like management consulting investment banking and after a while it's like ah, oh, that kind of seems like the cool things to do that's that's what all the the cool kids are doing right and um and, and so it's, it's been really interesting to see how uh, a, a place like MIT can give you exposure to such different opportunities. And of course, after you graduate from MIT, the, the doors that it can open because people are like, oh, you went to MIT. You must be reasonably intelligent. So it's been pretty neat that way.
0: Uh, no, I, I've definitely had the same experience where yeah, it's op- it's open doors, you know, that I'm like, I don't think I'm qualified for this, but okay, sure, right. <laughs> give it a go. Right, uh, right. But that's, one, one does not know, but um, yeah, I remember s- some of those career counseling and some of those interviews that you had to go through yeah. that... I'm like, oh, those were not fun. Um, right, <laughs> I'm right. sure they've gotten worse. <laughs> and, and you
1: know, I know this is, um you're, you're probably answering these questions to a lot of the people you're interviewing, but uh, what are you doing these days, Kim?
0: <laughs> so I am in factory automation. I work for Siemens. So okay. um, I work as a consultant, so okay. have many different clients in different industries. So um, if it involves robotics or entertainment engineering now with the pandemic entertainment is not so hot but um right. <laughs> but working with SpaceX and Tesla and kind of yeah Disney oh, and Cirque du Soleil so yeah lots of different fun fun projects so um yeah I've I've been I was a mechanical engineer so okay. um kind of yeah Excuse um <laughs> different different than I thought I would be doing thought I would be doing medical device design but right um you know but I'm I love what I do, so. I, That's fantastic. I, I think yeah. that helps, so.
1: Yeah, because I think depending on who you've kept in touch with or just reading through the class notes, you know, some people have that very linear trajectory where they went into one field, stuck with it, rose through the ranks and so on and so forth. Other people kind of have a more spaghetti-like um path through life and careers in different industries. And I think it's really fascinating to see what you, me, our classmates are doing, have done. It's just really, really, really uh, intriguing that way.
0: Yeah, I think I I know when I first went to one of the MIT um, reunions, I was really worried because I didn't have that, you know. I hadn't cured cancer or done, you know, <laughs> won a Nobel Prize or anything like that. Come I on, was, Kim. You know, I, come I on. know. I, I was really, I was really slacking. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but I just kind of, you know, you kind of have that impression sometimes that that's right. like the expectation, um, and really, everybody is so normal, and you know, even if they have had some astronomical career, it's you know the similarities are so the same about what people care about and what they're interested right. in. And, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, if people, if you're scared to go back to campus, don't be, uh, right, right. <laughs> uh I guess that would be the one word I would say just, sure. um, and I hope these podcasts will kind of help k- kind of give people a feel for our classmates. You know, you may yeah. not have met, you know, we may not have met or been friends on campus, but, I think there's a lot of similarities and hopefully if you're interested in something you'll reach out to the classmates.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You <laughs> know, two things come to mind as you're talking. One is, um when I went back to uh a high school reunion, I wanna say it was like a five year, ten year, it was it was um humbling and really eye opening too because I would meet classmates who I had and this sounds arrogant and awful, but kinda never really kinda written off in a way because I was like academically oriented and I knew this person I was friendly with them but they weren't like the the star academic student right but I remember this one fellow his name was Brett he was like yeah you know after I graduated from high school I found something I excelled it I excelled at I started my own company I think it was in grouting and cement related um, for homes and he was already married, had a kid and he was like, Yeah, I want my daughter to go to the best schools. That's why, you know, we're living in the Shawnee area and it was kinda of humbling for me because I was always like, Oh well, I thought I was always a smart person and I'm here I am going to MIT but from a larger perspective of life, I still had much to learn. And I think tagging back to what you were saying, how we find our different interests and passions, I think um, about my own family and that shift in priorities and the balancing act to life, work, family, home, and everything else. And my wife and I have a 14-year-old son and just the kind of attention and care that we put into our families, and I would imagine that's a, a pretty common theme. I can imagine a lot of our classmates just nodding their head yes and say, yeah, you know, MIT was great, my career's going well and you know my spouse, our children, my community, all these different things that are kind of at, at the forefront now. So I think that'll be really interesting to see across our across our class too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really hope that we've gotten the wisdom, you know, of of the years that we have at this point, um, to just kind of know, you know, career is one thing and it's great, but it's obviously not everything. So let's, know, hope not. let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, I mean, let, you know, at, at least that's that, that's the hope that most people have come to that conclusion that there right there, there there are better things out there. Um, But yeah, so um, anybody you would like us to interview?
1: Oh, yeah, I gave that a little thought. So two people that come to mind um, are Peter Mao. I think he was Course 5 at Senior House. He may have been Course 5, Course 10 double, because we were in a, a few classes together. Um, I vaguely remember him going to California and getting a PhD. I may have read it in a class note somewhere. But yeah, Peter Mao. And then there's another uh, uh, young lady, Kimberly Hamad. And I don't know why I said young lady. I mean, we're all like the same (laughs) class. But um, so yeah, I think she was chemistry or biology. But I remember her living at Senior House. And same type of thing where maybe I read a note about them here and there, but it's like yeah, those are people I haven't really uh, kept in touch with, but would be interested to see how they're doing.
0: Well, I appreciate that because yes, obviously we're looking for volunteers all the time to to do the podcast, so sure. it kind of helps if I'm like, hey, Michael, one. Wants- you know, Michael wanted to hear from you, so Remember maybe they that might crazy respond. Crazy guy, Mike Chung. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they might, or they might just shun me. It's but like, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I was trying to forget about him, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: the hope is that more personal touch will will, uh, will prompt them than just some random stranger from the class right out. Right on, right <clears throat> on. Uh, yeah. So, do you have a favorite memory of MIT that you would like to share?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a a tough one, because, I mean, my MIT experience was really uh, positive in so many ways, and, you know, I think being 48, 49 now, looking back and thinking, would I have done things differently, would I have gone to MIT, it's hard not to think about those types of things, but um, I can't think of a specific uh, single memory, but I think just the... um, the atmosphere, the the curiosity, the kind of invincibility, if you will, and, and of being that age, and just not being afraid to explore, and just having that whole that world as your oyster, and so many opportunities to crack into, whether academic, research, extracurricular, exploring Boston, all the social opportunities there. I think just it was a really um, terrific place to spend uh, spend our college years at.
0: I I loved the Boston area. If your 14-year-old wants to apply, will you encourage? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I tell them it's, um, and I've told a lot of people, if I were to summarize MIT in a word, it's uh, opportunity. And if I had to give another word, it'd probably be intensity. So I think, um, yeah, I think as long as you, kind of go in with eyes wise open and uh, are ready to embrace the challenge you can do a lot with it I look back at younger Mike Chung and I kind of uh, it's easy for me to be self-critical and be like yeah I was pretty insecure I was pretty needy you could ask my wife and son they'd probably tell you yeah he still is insecure <laughs> and needy but I think at that time in my life it was in some ways I was in over my head um, but uh, by God's grace, I was able to, um, to to do reasonably well from a variety of standpoints, and yeah, I certainly do things a little bit differently in some ways, but um, I think uh, it's a terrific place, and if my son wants to apply and go, then then I'm totally behind it. And uh, it's just got, s- there are just so many wonderful things you can do at a place like MIT. So yeah.
0: Um, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us all. i just keep putting in class notes as also the class secretary. I'm I have to say that. Sure. <laughs> I think I'm over
1: overdue for putting one in. So okay, I'll, I'll put excellent. it on my to-do list. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I, I, I never thought it would be so hard to get class notes. Um, it's like
1: pulling teeth in some ways. I, I think it's like that... Uh, what do they call that the there's some game theory sort of thing about it. it's like ah other people will do it there's like a thousand of us somebody else will do it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so
0: appreciate anybody that does the um does the podcast or sends in class notes and even better if you do both so thank you again mike really appreciate you taking the time
1: absolutely thanks for having me